Hey, bestie. What's up, girl? Hey, does anyone ever ask you, like, oh, I heard you do a podcast. What's that witty and gritty podcast all about? Yeah, okay, so I usually spit out this robotic sentence that's, we help hardworking Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have more joyful and fulfilling lives. So that's usually what I say, but I'm also monotone. Y'all know this. And so it's just like, so Farron, what does that mean? Yes. Well, my response is not as fancy, even (laughs) though I've heard you say that lots of times I should know by now, but essentially I explain that we help people grow in their Christian lives and through their growth, then they can better fulfill God's calling on their life. Right. So we're book study experts and we know how to analyze, pull apart and take that through the Christian lens, and that's kind of what we do here. And so then sometimes people are like, yeah, you're self-help books, and they might be mainstream, but we are always sure to bring it back to God and the biblical view. Right, so whether you see a secular book or something that a Christian author's written, just know that when you come here, you're going to get it through a biblical lens. And not just ours. I like that we incorporate interviews by people living out the principles. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's your little bonus if you stick around through the series, which yeah. I hope you will. Yay! Here we go! This is episode 164 of How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age, and this is the last part of part three, but there's part four coming up, but this is the last part three. It's almost <laughs> like running the mile, <laughs> and I just remember being on like that third and fourth lap, and you're like, well, it is still the third lap, but I'm... A quarter way through the third uh, lap. Yes. And, hey, well, I'm almost done, so go ahead and round up to the fourth lap. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can round up. Runners relate. Yeah. Affinity. Good job. Affinity relations. Uh, yeah, we didn't want to rush through this book because there are so many good points. Like, we had a whole episode on smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Which was awesome. <laughs> I like how you said that without smiling. Um, smiling. <laughs> They can hear the difference. I know they can. Well, like you mentioned, we're going to talk about chapter 9, which is share your journey. And then we'll get to chapter 10, which is throw down a challenge. And all our competitive (laughs) listeners are here for it. tuned back in. Yeah. Sharing your journey. I think part of the reason that that's so intriguing and so many people gravitate towards that is... They can relate because either they've been there Mm -hmm. or they are there or they're starting out in that journey, but you're also communicating like, I'm not perfect. I haven't figured it all Mm -hmm. out yet, Uh, but if you keep watching, you can at least learn from my mistakes. (laughs) Right. Or maybe I'll figure something (laughs) cool out. (laughs) Learn from my mistakes and leverage it. Yes. I like that. Um, We're all part of a bigger story anyway, so... I like how our stories all kind of weave together into one big story about God's love for everybody. So even if whatever you've gone through, leverage it and maybe help some other people along the way. Yeah, Uh, we say this often on the show, but, you know, your battles become someone else's roadmap. And while that doesn't necessarily help you in the moment, everything that you go through, trials, tribulations... You can also pass those wisdom, that wisdom and experience on to others. There's been a few times that my oldest has said, you, you get it. And I'm like, remember that <laughs> in a yes. few years. I get it. And she's like, how do you know all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because I went through it too. Yeah. I went through it too. 
And I try to then the things, the journey she's been on, I try to have her use that as evidence for herself Mm -hmm. that, you know, it does get better or it feels terrible, but you'll, when you wake up tomorrow, it's just better because you got some rest or eat something. Or you had a snack. (laughs) (laughs) People want to know that they matter. And the best way to show them that they do is by allowing them to connect with a larger story. So we've had several people on the show talk about their struggles or however they've come through the other side. And again, if you've been through that and you hear the story, you can connect on that level, but also hear what some other people have tried and know, like you said, Farron, it does get better. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Just got to keep pressing on. I know a lot of times I have the, I'm going to save the world mentality. Um, But then I realize I'm only one human being. (laughs) (laughs) It was the, I couldn't dodge that opportunity. (laughs) Forever, never again. (laughs) But you feel much more capable and like you're going to be successful and make a difference Mm -hmm. if you are on a mission with a group of people that can make a change. I mean, that's part of, uh, you know, peaceful protesting or different movements you see and petitions, right? It's that people jumping on board for that common goal And going on that journey together. Yeah, and it's also important to recognize that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. He talks in this book about the business of Tom's and how it's matching shoes one-to-one. You buy a pair of shoes, we give a pair of shoes. And how that's mission-driven. So it does make people want to buy Tom's more. And because it's going to help other people too. So I think, not everyone, but again, people who are Christians, they have that innate desire to want to help others. And sometimes that does look like buying some shoes so that it goes somewhere else yeah stories help but along the tom's example he talks about how um people remember that mission tom's mission because the story was so meaningful impactful helping others and in the last couple chapters we talked about your noble motives your core values and people are going to remember those if there's a story tied to it Mm -hmm. so if you remember PEMDAS. Yes. Please excuse <laughs> my endurance. Okay, well, you can remember that because there's that story element. People that memorize like long random strings of numbers, they put those numbers together in their mind by telling a story. Mm-hmm. So, story not only communicates uh, where you are in life and that vulnerability I talked about earlier, but it also can communicate your noble motives. So, if you want your audience to know, Um, more about you, more about your motives and what you stand for as a company, as a leader, as a business, if you can tie that story element to it, that's going to help. Yes, and if you have been hesitant to share your story, just know that it is part of your testimony. It is part of who you are. So maybe helping others through that or even you getting to process through it if you're still in the trenches. There's, um, I have a former coach co-worker that we coached together and he at first it started with hey we have an unspoken prayer request I'm like okay cool all right got it to the Facebook world and then later it came out that he has cancer stage three and so then it was we could all understand a little bit better but then under in that same post he talked about specific ways to pray there are so many people who just are willing and ready to pray for strangers or anyone or friends of friends just because they know about it and they were asked to. So, yeah, of course. Why would I not want to? 
And I think that's a good point that it doesn't mean share all the details. Mm -hmm. And it might be running it through some close confidants first Mm -hmm. and picking out the pieces that um, apply again to the motives. And it's not, some people are like, well, I don't want to just put out a sob story so people pity me. No. It's that's that, not that's not what you're doing. No, that's not. If you heard that, you you heard wrong, friend. Uh, it's again to find that common ground, build that mm-hmm. affinity with your audience. Hearing someone else that's either going through or has overcome something you're going through is mm-hmm. really inspiring and motivating. Because I'm sure you've had those days you didn't feel uh, positive or that the good was going to come. Yes, uh, I just recently read Shauna Nequist's new book. I guess I haven't learned that yet is what it's called. And in there she talks about how in the past she has talked about her miscarriages. And that whole paragraph or part of the book she talks about how people will call her and they... She's the go-to for that. So she always picks up the phone. When someone has that kind of phone call, she'll always listen to them. And they feel seen and heard and understood. A lot of times, like, yeah, we can see and understand but I I can't fully know what you've gone through like Farron I have not had a miscarriage like you have so I can't mentally grasp it I can empathize and I can try but there is there are communities out there that people can do that for you yeah exactly and so again on the flip side right we're talking to people that want to have fluence but Mm -hmm. influence but if you're seeking it you might not find it in the people you know which that's one of the benefits of technology is finding groups um, that do have shared that. My sister's uh, son was born with some medical conditions, and one of the first things she found was a group of mamas that had kids with similar conditions. And while we all loved her and supported her every way we knew how, listened to her, you know, share her thoughts and feelings, she got a whole different kind of support by people that were on that same journey she was, especially the people that were like, oh yeah, that happened to me and we did this or we got that product, but it didn't work. You might try this one Um, Mm -hmm. or here's how to finagle it. Right. (laughs) The doctor won't tell you to do this, but it works for us. (laughs) Yes. Same thing with uh, just starting a business or running a podcast or writing a book. There are very limited people who just get it. So on the days that you need to pull on that community, they're there for you and they can cheer you on in the way that they know how to cheer you on. And the people who have not experienced that can still cheer you on and pray for you and all that too. Uh, But if you need that deeper connection of, I just need to get this off my chest. And if anyone has any life hacks that have been there, great. There's spots for that too. Exactly. I think as a recovering perfectionist, which I have a new definition for. Tell me. A recovering perfectionist is someone who is a perfectionist, but knows they probably shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a recovering perfectionist in denial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that sharing your story also removes some of that pressure, mm-hmm. especially if your story includes uh, some examples of how you aren't perfect, then you don't feel like you're living up to any uh, false expectations, if you will, because right. you've kind of like starting with friendliness or being the first to apologize by setting the ground saying, hey, I've made mistakes, but this is what I've learned from them, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to mess up again, but I promise I'm going to share with you, so that way if you guys can avoid some of these, great, or if you've done the same thing, maybe it'll help. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of people, they have a book on it or whatever. Like, I've done all this before you, so will you just go read this, please? And this is the, this will help you do whatever it is for your company. I do want to wrap up with, I think there is an art to it. Mm-hmm. How to how to share, what to share, Yep. Um, the takeaways, because you don't, there is this fine line of maybe discrediting discrediting something or using it to exploit a business opportunity or yeah so just be careful with that um there is a resource called story brand by donald miller i love story brand yeah and so that if you are like okay i want to tell my story but how can i go about it again not the perfect way but just some guidance you might check into story brand yeah he has a book build your story brand and that's an easily consumed thing, so Audible. That's how I read it. <laughs> like, this is so good. And he's he's such a great guy, so I've got a lot of positives about Donald Miller. Very practical, yeah. practical applicable yeah. steps. Okay, chapter 10, throw down a challenge. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always up for something competitive. Uh, what is that? Competitive fire. Some... Uh, it's one of those, like, how do you teach people to be intrinsically motivated? Because that's on the inside. So <laughs> sometimes you just got to tap into their passions or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So this whole, again, sports analogy, um, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, two basketball legends, opposing teams, and they just rivaled each other their whole careers. Um, and it was it, it's cool to see how they spurred each other on. Again, that all goes back to Hebrews ten twenty four, where we're supposed to spur each other on. And Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, I think, is iron sharpens iron. So we're meant to be challenged and spurred on because that's only going to make us better. I like to, a lot of what I see in the personal development world is sometimes your competition is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if the pioneer of something. Oh, yes. Either the first or sometimes self-sabotage and getting in your mm, own way. Yeah. Um, you know, something that's resonated with me a lot right now is people giving up what they want most for what they want right now. The comfort. Yeah. Maybe that's just the Enneagram 9 resonating with that. <laughs> but sometimes your biggest competition could be yourself. So keep that in mind if you're like... Not finding it outside of yourself, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because a lot of the examples in the book are outside competitors. uh, But do recognize that your biggest competitor right now might be you. Yeah, there's a book, I think it's Craig Groeschel, maybe, Winning the War in Your Mind. He also has a devotional on the Bible app. Oh. It's just called the Bible app. The Holly Bibli. (laughs) Uh, It's the one where it's like, it says... Holy Bible. Can we go back to the Holly Bibbly? Did you just make that up? I've heard it before when someone was joking about the name of the Bible. Okay. The Holly Bibbly. Anyway. Googly boogly. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of miniseries on mind and things like that. So feel free to go to wittyandgritty.blog forward slash podcast and you can see all the miniseries we've done. And pick the one that screams to you. We should just have an audio track on the website that just goes, ah. <laughs> I'll work on that. <laughs> okay, but. Summer project. I don't know what the equivalent. Pick this one. Pick this one. I don't know what the equivalent to screaming with a smile is, but if you go, ah. 
I'll work on it. Maybe I'll have you record it, and then I'll find a way to put it on the internet. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) to quote this book (laughs) about challenges and competition, some people seem to think that competition is a dirty word. It isn't. Competition is one of the most compelling realities of the natural world. While connection is necessary to keep us thriving, competition is necessary to keep us striving. You know what I just thought of? Tell me. I don't know if these are even illegal, illegal or a thing anymore, but uh, dog races at the dog tracks, and they always have that like fake rabbit thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to like encourage them to run faster, right? Mm-hmm. So, just an, an example, a tactical visual of like if there wasn't that to chase, they might not run as fast. Um, I remember in high school, we traveled out west, I want to say almost, oh, Amarillo maybe? Or El Paso, something out in Those west, are both Texas. west from here. <laughs> yeah, so see, I'm right. But uh, You're wrong. We raised enough money to go and compete in a race that we, you know, the fun of it. We got mm-hmm. to go and stay overnight and get up and race the next day. Well, we were in the lead, and at the it was a two-mile race, and at the mile, we were like at a seven-minute, 45-second mile. Mm-hmm. And... We're trying to get down to like 13 minute mile pace. Well, that was almost 16 minute mile pace. But we didn't have the competition that we had normally in the DFW area to, to pace ourselves. There wasn't even, mm-hmm. and the bike, the bike yeah. that leads the race, yeah. he, he'll go as fast as you go. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, it was time to like take off, and the teams in the area just thought our times were outstanding, but mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really display our potential. Because we didn't have our usual competition there. Yeah, so that might be a good food for thought. What can be your ghost runner kind of thing? Who's or your pace setter? Because they do that in track too. So what can we, what can we do? And that could mean someone is keeping track of your timeline. Like, hey, have you submitted this? Hey, have you done this? Not in a negative way, but just your accountability. Because I think people see competition and they think the goal is to eliminate the competition. Right. You don't want to eliminate. You hope to beat them because that's what's going to spur you on and make you think outside the box and push you to be better because they're not going to quit and you're not going to quit either. Right. But if you realize that your goal has been more of an, uh, the, this idea of eliminating mm-hmm. the competition, you mean, might need to refocus your effort. Yeah, that's uh, another CrossFit shout out. Another reason I like PRs, it's your personal record. You're not, <laughs> I am by no means the strongest one. Or the fastest one. I'm like none of the top nothings. <laughs> but it's, man, was I better than I was the day before? It's that whole 1% better kind of thing with our Atomic Habits mini series. Just can you be better than you were? Because everything you're doing is either moving the needle forward or not. So how can you show up today? And let's say you're pulling like a mental muscle or actual literal muscle in your workout, whatever. Uh, obviously give yourself grace there. Because if you are pulling or if you are going through a hard time or a trauma happens or whatever, you're going to need that time to work through that. And then, yeah, sure, try to get back to that PR. It's like pre-baby bod. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It ain't ever coming back. I like your example, though, because I think back to sometimes getting into that comparison trap. Mm-hmm. We want to compete with someone that has more skin in the game or has been at it longer And maybe that needs to shift towards a target or a goal. Um, Not that you're not going to compete with them, but in the meantime, you might need to compete with yourself 
until you're at that level. That just makes me think of the whole tide rises. So, like, Jenny Ellen has a, a Christian podcast. Autumn Miles has a Christian podcast. We have a Christian podcast. Sadie Robertson has a Christian podcast. We're not in competition with one another. If anything, we want to encourage each other and spur each other on because guess what? If you listen to us, you might not listen to Sadie's or Jenny's or Autumn's, but someone else is. So the whole tide rises. And as a consumer, I'm glad that there's multiple entities because then I have something to hold me over until the next week or the next content release. Yeah. Same thing with books. Like if I only read Autumn Miles books, they're fat, fabulous, but what am I going to do when I read it in a week and she's in the middle of writing the next one? Right. It's more Hurry up, to Autumn. consume. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> I need you to finish that. <laughs> I like the story about uh, Teddy Roosevelt again. The mm-hmm. book has lots of examples of lots of different people, but it talked about how he was kind of a sickly child and his dad brought to light, hey, you're a smart kid, but your body's not going to able to take you as far as you might like to go and I think we have similar circumstances where the world or we have people saying like you're not going to be able to do something Mm -hmm. and in that and sometimes it's ourselves I was about to say sometimes it's you Mm -hmm. and in that moment you have a choice Mm -hmm. to either accept that as truth or combat it and so Teddy Roosevelt you know wasn't gonna take that one lying down and insisted that he was going to make his body better. He was going to take control of that. And so, long story short, he did through hiking, which the outcome of that is he had a love for nature, Mm -hmm. which spilled over into his presidency and developed the Roosevelt Museum of Natural History. What a cool turn of events. Just not only was he able to heal himself, he was able to leverage even further for the benefit of a lot more people. Mm-hmm. And soon, the great nation of the United States. There's an entrepreneur, his name is Nick Santanastasso. He was born, he just has um, one arm. And his parents, because you know how you said sometimes mm-hmm. you get in your own head. So his parents one day, they were like, Nick, here's your clothes. And they put them on the ground. And they said, come out when you're dressed. Mm-hmm. And he said, it took him... <laughs> So long to get dressed. But now he can dress himself. And he's fully capable. He can drive. He can do all these things. And sometimes it does take that friend or that confidant or whoever to be like, no, you can do this. Here are some tools. I'm going to leave you to it. Yeah. I'm going to check back in. Make sure you're safe and everything's going okay. You're going to be frustrated, but I'll be here. And now not only is he Mm self-sufficient, but he is an inspiration to other Uh, People that have similar conditions, whether uh, born that way or war vets Mm -hmm. or, you know, accidents happen every day and really big in the self-improvement or goal oriented world, whatever you want to call it, is this idea of, you know, the world needs your gift. So even if you can't do it for yourself, think of all the other people that need you to do what God's placed on your life. Mm-hmm. And even back to the Teddy Roosevelt example, it's like as a president, he might not have cared as much about bills or laws or the impact on the environment or so on and so forth had he not overcome the adversity of his, you know, asthma and other challenges he had mm-hmm. health-wise. Yeah. And so I just don't think we know, but that's the beauty in it, 
of what's on the other side of overcoming those fears or overcoming those challenges, it goes beyond ourselves. Yeah. So if you need to look outside of yourself to spur you forward, then, you know, do that. Yeah, and if you are, like, the only person in your whatever you're doing, you feel like you're on an island, you don't have anyone to challenge you or whatever, that's when you can set your own timelines and your own deadlines and give those inf- give that information to a friend, keep me accountable, <laughs> and they can encourage you on that way. So you're not alone. You just Sometimes you just have to be competitive with yourself. And it just wraps up that Teddy Roosevelt story by asking, had his father not challenged him, you know, what would the outcome have been? And I wonder, even to the point of becoming president, because mm-hmm. I think it just uh, feeds in, into other areas of life, the determination factor, that is. You've mentioned it before, but our grit series just keeps coming to mind when yes. thinking about this. Speaking of Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a quote here that says, if it's one person you'd like to help change, throw down a compelling challenge that gets you both involved in the arena. And guess what? Teddy Roosevelt was the one who wrote about the man in the arena, which Brene Brown based her whole Daring Greatly mini or book off of, was this quote, and we did a Daring Greatly mini-series about getting the right people in the arena or noticing the people who should be cheering you on and should be motivating you. No armchair coaches, because they're not in it. They don't get it. Nope, they sure don't. So if you need someone, grab them in there and get in the arena with me and let's fight. Something I like about this whole idea of a challenge to, um, this is a fairnism. <laughs> this is a big leap from what's it. in the book. <laughs> but it talks about, uh, it says, it can mean something more than reaching a finish line. And on a podcast I was listening to this morning, the interviewer was asking uh, Phil Heath. Um, he's a power lifter. He's won seven of like the biggest whatever bodybuilding things there are something about the olympia olympia yeah Mm -hmm. yeah anywho and the question was you know there's some people the one hit wonders or they the coach that wins one super bowl or they have one feat and they don't repeat it and so he's like how did you repeat your success Mm -hmm. and it was a lot about essentially goal setting he actually said publicly before he had even won one that he was going to win 10 and so since his goal was 10 he won seven and then he talked about how earlier in his career his goal was to place in the top three well he had gotten fifth Mm -hmm. and so think about where your goals are if your goal is to reach a certain point you might be missing out on your full potential Whereas if you have a spirit of competition, there's probably never going to be a finish line. Right. And that's okay. That's the whole love the process and not the destination. It's the climb. Yeah, there you go, Miley Cyrus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But just something that if you're feeling like you're in a rut, looking for a challenge or a competitor could be the thing to pull you out of that. Yeah. I love it. I liked this one. I like competition. We are pretty competitive people. (laughs) That is true. It spoke to our hearts. So that wraps up part three of this book. How to win friends and influence people in the digital age. Up next, the final lap. Bell lap, people. It might feel (laughs) like a few laps, but it is in fact just one. Yes. Okay, so tune in next week to hear more. Bye. We're really good at segues. 
<laughs> and sound effects, right? Yes, so that's the end of our episode. But if you find yourself wanting more, and who could blame you? Brooke, <laughs> tell them where they can find us we, Monday through Friday. We have a lovely website. It's wittyandgritty.blog. You can go there. It has every mini series ever we've done. What about the socials, Baron? Yes, we are on Instagram and Facebook primarily, but we yeah. do also have um, a Pinterest account, so be sure to follow us on your favorite social platform. Yeah. Oh, also, fun fact, we release episodes every Wednesday, so you can count on us. Be sure to subscribe. That way you don't have to go and find it every week. Yeah, it'll just automatically do the magic computery thingy. Thank you, technology. Go technologies and Uh, Instagrams. Yes. All right, we'll catch you next week, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Witty and Gritty Passions and Giftings Finder. It's for free, and it's our gift to you. If you're having trouble figuring out what your strengths are, and if you're passionate but can't quite narrow down which path to travel, and you're not sure what your purpose is in life, have no fear. This Passions and Gifting Finder is here. It's a step-by-step guide. It's quick, simple, and entertaining. It's helpful, insightful, and fascinating. You can find it at wittyandgritty.blog. We'll link it in the show notes.